Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. I hope you're all okay at the moment. We're back with a new episode of My Sporting Mind, where I speak to sports stars about their mental health and well-being. We're going to the world of tennis today. I'm really pleased to welcome British men's single number one, Dan Evans, to the podcast. Welcome along, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing all right. How's training been going? You've been back training, have you, around a week now we're talking? Yeah, um, you know, just trying to get back into the daily routines and habits. You know, it's a little difficult at the start, like with everything when you've not done it for a little while. But it's um, it's good fun to be back back on the court and um, having some fun. And what was it like? Because I know that you started the year so well. You know, you're in brilliant form. You've got your highest ever ranking currently. You're number one, which we mentioned in Britain, but you're ranked 28th in the world. Was it a little bit frustrating? Or do you just see it as a bit of a pause? Yeah, I mean, I saw it as a pause, you know. It's um, just put everything into perspective, really, that, you know, this terrible thing happening. And then, you know, tennis sort of just goes goes into the background. And, um, you know, it'd be pretty inconsiderate if I was saying I was frustrated with not being able to carry on my good start for the year. So it was, um, it's like you said, a bit of a pause. And then hopefully can carry on when, whenever we get back. Would you say you're in a better place than you've ever been in terms of how you're playing and how you're feeling as a person? Yeah, I was talking about this the other day to, to like my sister, funny enough, and she said, do you regret that you didn't do things when you were younger? And I was like, I, I didn't really know what I wanted when I was younger. You know, even when I was like 24, I thought I knew and then I didn't really know. And then I didn't know the ways to get to where I am today. So, yeah, I'm in a way better place. And you sort of, you learn way more about yourself when, not when things go wrong, but, you know, when you win and good things happen, I would say you learn a lot about yourself and how that makes you feel. And that was the sort of the main thing is when I won before or had good results, you know, you don't really, you don't really know how to take them. You know, sometimes you're a bit embarrassed that you've done well or, you know, it's different ways. And, um, yeah, way better place now than, than when I was. That's really interesting. You're about the first person I think that's mentioned. Actually, sometimes when you win, you don't necessarily know how to deal with the emotion or how you're supposed to act in that moment. I think we often talk a lot about the lows, right? And not about mm. how maybe that situation can, you know, you said sometimes you were, you were embarrassed. What was it about winning that made you sometimes feel like that? In tennis, you know, like, when players win, you know, they automatically walk to the middle of the court, wave. That's a pretty, you know, you've got to be pretty outgoing to do that. And, like, it doesn't feel right for me, like, to, to do that. And then if you're winning and, you know, there's not that much success in Britain for, for tennis as well. So there's only a, a few players who would do well. So it was just, it was, it was very different to, like, not what you're taught, but what you expect and what how, how things sort of just, just went, just how it made me feel sometimes. You know, now I... You know, I get it more and I, I'm fine with it, but it was a bit strange. But, you know, you sort of get used to it and then learn how to deal with it. Yeah, because I suppose then all the attention's on you, right? And especially, do you sometimes feel that or did you used to feel that pressure, especially you're right about the whole tennis thing in, in Britain? Because <laughs> it's almost like we load it on, don't we, when there's some hope? I never felt like there was any pressure on me from inside Britain to do well because there was no players. It was just... Just if you did do well, it was it, it was difficult to put into context what you've done. It was like before my ban, you know, I never really used to take 
wins into consideration or losses. You know, I was pretty good at, at both. I, you know, I'd lose and I'd be not okay with it, but I'd get over it pretty quick. And then when I was off, I wished I'd took in the wins more and thought about them more because I had some pretty good wins. And then now I, you know, appreciate them more and deal with it better, I guess. You mentioned your ban there. So just to explain to people that you received a ban in 2017 because you were tested positive for cocaine. When you look back, what was your mindset like when you were younger? You did say like when you were like 20, in your early 20s, that you didn't quite know maybe what you wanted. What do you think your mindset was around before that period and around that in your life? I didn't have so much of a plan of what I wanted to do or, you know, I knew I was good at tennis. I was obviously 50 in the world. You know, you sort of knew what you wanted, but then you can sort of know what, what you're doing and what you want. But if you don't do everything to get to that, then you'll get caught out, you know, even if it's, you know, not doing the extra fitness session or whatnot, in the end, you'll get caught out. And, you know, I obviously wasn't, wasn't doing everything to, to strive to, to be as, as good as I could be. But yeah, I mean, I had plenty of time to reflect and, uh, and then come back and try and be better at that. Did you just fall into tennis then? Or was it something that you always wanted to do when you were younger? Or were you just good at it? I played at the local club, so just, just fell into it. Um, yeah, I played squash and then tennis and just gradually got better at it. You know, there was no, wasn't forced to do it or didn't take it too seriously at the start. So it was, um, you know, some people's upbringing into tennis is, you know, is it can be difficult, I guess, and it's quite hands-on. And, and serious where I was, you know, as I look back, I was, I was lucky, you know, no one ever put pressure on me to, to play or have to play. And that's, you know, part of it is probably why, why I got good. And maybe part of it is why, you know, I didn't stay on this, this straight and narrow all the time, you know. Mm. But was that also because of maybe how you, what, I don't know, you were feeling about yourself or was it just the, you know, not, being disciplined in that goal you were trying to get or was it because of other things that you were feeling in yourself it was just discipline as like you know it's it's I think it's tough to be you know in professional sports ask people to be you know really disciplined for 12 14 years is is a tough thing to do but that's why the the best are the best because they do that and you know obviously I found out the hard way and now that's what I'm trying to do and it's uh it's still still difficult to be disciplined every day, but you know it's um, you've got to do it if you want to you know get to the place I want to go to. Mm. But I suppose you're only human, <laughs> even though you're exceptional, and people that get to that level are exceptional. I'm sure people have made mistakes in their 14 years of that disciplined career. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like sometimes there's almost like no room for error in professional sport? I mean, you know, for me, it's obviously. It's a bit different for individual sports. You, you know, you always, rightly or wrongly, you always get a second chance or third chance or fourth chance because it's you who's coming back. You know, maybe in a team sport, you don't get that chance. You know, the manager or whatnot gets rid of you. And so maybe, you know, you always sort of know you do get that second chance in the back of your head. But sport's a tough place to be in. And it's, uh, I think that's when you take on the uh, the goal of doing any sport. I think you you know that yourself, that, you know, I was always given the option, you know, I didn't, like I said, I wasn't forced. I took the option of to play in and, and trying to be good at my given sport. And and I also made that choice of, you know, doing what I did. So it's it's difficult, but now it's it's in the past. Yeah, and it is, it is in the past. And it, it's good to hear like how you maybe coped with that 
and where you did get to where you are now. Um, you know, what, what went through your mind when you were given that ban? The start, you think, like, won't be that long. And then you get into the, you know, the middle of it. And it's, it's, it's a long time. And, you know, I obviously just stayed at home for the time. And you realise, you know, a working day is a, is a long, long time. You know, obviously waiting for my girlfriend to come home. You know, you sort of realise sport is actually it's a bit of a gift in, in terms of the hours you work. You know, you sort of on your own time. That was difficult at the start. And, and then you have good days, you know, positive. You can, you can get back. And then when you get closer and closer, obviously, you sort of, you know, self-doubt's natural, I, I think, anyway, especially in sport, you know, to not be sure if you're going to get back. or it's. I think that's totally normal. And I think it would be it wouldn't be right if you didn't have self-doubt. What do you do with that self-doubt? Come on, give us some, give us some insight. Give us some coping mechanisms. <laughs> Is there anything you particularly did during that time? Because you could have gone the other way. You could have knocked it on the head. Yeah, I mean, you get angry. I, I mean, I think it's natural to get angry at like the situation you're in and stuff. But, you know, I always looked back at what I'd, what I'd done in the past you know the good matches and stuff and where I'd got to and you have to tell yourself nothing's as bad as it seems at the time which is you know probably the best advice and I worked a little bit with um, a sports psychologist when when I started back and then you know he really helped and just trying to to get back to normal life as a tennis player because it's it's so different to being on you know, at home, I, I remember the first trip back. It was, you know, standing in a hotel on my own was so so alien to like a year not doing it. And if I did do it, it was always with with my girlfriend. Then all of a sudden, I was on my own, and I really struggled with that. Almost going back on tour was was like a new life lesson, really. And you know, you said you you saw a sports psychologist. Was there anything particular that you worked on with him? Um. I mean, I was so against seeing a sports psychologist. And then the person who like put me in touch with the guy was like, listen, he's really good. And it was so different to the previous person who I'd spoke to when I was like 16, 17. He was, you know, just sort of listened, sort of asked me, did I have worries? And we spoke quite a lot, really. And he, he was of the, the sense of like all the things which, you know, being a bit worried about going back hotels on my own you know he was sort of like that's totally normal and he sort of just shared his experiences what what he had seen obviously didn't name people but had said you know I've seen people with this before you know it's totally normal give me good advice and all, all of the sessions I did with him were priceless really and it was more off the court I was never having a problem on on the court it was you know the off-court stuff if I lost you know, then you start doubting yourself again. You know, he was a lot about perspective and, listen, you've got a load of time ahead of you. You know, it doesn't need to happen quick. And just preparing for, like, when I'd go to a hotel, if I, you know, was on my own. It was just so strange to how how it, how I've been living, you know, and I found it, I did find it really difficult to be in hotels, yeah. Yeah, because I suppose we never hear that side of things, really, because you're on your own and you're away from home. I wonder why why were you dead against seeing a sports psychologist? Was there any reason? Um, no, not really. I just not that I'd had a bad experience with one before. I just I definitely think sports psychologists can help off the court. In in the past, I think that 
why I didn't like them was because trying to change me a bit on the court, which I totally disagreed with because that's you, you know, everyone has their own individual personality. But I would definitely tell anyone to go and see one if they were having troubles off the court, preparing, you know, sleeping and nerves, stuff like that. It would be, I would definitely tell anyone to go see them, yeah. And were you concerned when you went back about what people would think? Was that something that ever bothered you? Yeah. Sometimes in this country we can um, be quite horrible. Yeah, I was, well, I, I left like social media when it happened and yeah, I was worried a, a lot of like what my peers would think when I was on court and then people watching. But that sort of, that went away pretty, not quick, but when I got back onto the main tour, you know, all the players were really good. You know, no one ever said anything to me in a bad way. You know, I just tried to work hard and gain respect again from those guys. Mm. And how do you feel kind of looking back now? How much have you learned or what is the most important thing you've learned about yourself? I think when you get another chance, that's probably your best chance really is if, if you don't take the first one, I think, you know, you really go after the second. And luckily for me, you know, I've really got a good chance now again and worked hard to get back here and, and you know, using it to its full potential. You know, like you said, it's a little, with what's happened at the minute with COVID, you know, it's another chance to sort of look back and reflect and, you know, I think it can even help, you know, give myself a chance to rest a bit and, and go again. You know, the, the tennis tour is so continuous and there's hardly any rest. So, you know, hopefully we get back on court soon and, and get some more good results. I like it in like when I'm asking you different questions, how you, you always pick a positive with it. It's quite interesting. Do you feel <laughs> like you're quite a positive person? You do, honestly. You know, it's like, oh, well, I see this side, but actually, like, this might be an opportunity to rest and this was a time for you to learn and discover yourself. Is that something that, are you, are you generally quite positive and being able to put that spin on things? Yeah, yeah, I am, like, normally I am. I mean, when I first sat down with the, with the sports psychologist, he said I was probably one of the most angry people he'd ever spoke to. After I come back, he said I had so much pent-up anger from, you know, like the ban and how I was speaking about things and so yeah but I don't know I mean I'm, I'm always pretty positive about you know the future and mm. you know I just think it's good to to try and look ahead and and stay positive really that's I think it served me well yeah. And what would you say to anybody that feels that anger sometimes in themselves and has it pent up because I think we can sometimes and I'm saying this from my own thoughts and experience we can sometimes feel like we can't let it out and you can't feel angry about things because there's almost like a negative on anger but we forget that anger is like an emotion and there's no morals Mm. to it it's kind of how we behave afterwards with that emotion that is the decisions we make does that make sense yeah I think you know if you get rid of your anger and it's done in a good way and and it doesn't linger I think there's no reason why you shouldn't shouldn't let it out you know, if I feel angry on the court, I let it out and try it not to, to stick with me for too long and get on with the next next point or next game. You know, it's um like you said, it's a it's an emotion, isn't it? You know, if you if you were happy you would laugh. Yeah, true. That's a good way to put it. And was did you feel I think angry in your personal life then? Is that where that anger anger came from? No, like just that I'd been banned really. It was, you know, you obviously there's gonna be anger towards just yourself, I think. And, you know, your actions, that, that was the only real anger. And coming back, there was a few issues with trying to get back to play and getting into tournaments. And I wasn't 
you know necessarily getting the easiest of help from the people who you know I'd helped before I played for my country a lot and they were not so forthcoming with you know helping me getting back into the the tournaments that was where the sort of anger come from as well it was it was difficult but you know we all sat down and and got it out and and sort of got it out of the way and luckily I got back on court and that was that. Do you think it was important to as part of that to forgive yourself? Yeah I mean if I'm honest I I rarely ever think back to to what happened you know you know that was one part and then this is the next really it's never you know of course you you reflect some days yeah I, I was stupid doing it but I don't look back and hate myself like I did during the band you know it's in some parts of the band you know you hate yourself you disgusted in what you did it's it's you know it's tough but you know you have to you have to move on at some point there has to be a line under the under what you've done and just just move on I think there's a lesson in that in itself Mm. in the fact that you have to just move on from things because it's the it's that the hatred towards yourself and that beating yourself up all the time that I think can really destroy people. So, Dan, how do you feel about tennis now? You know, has it changed the way you feel about the game, how you approach the game? Uh, not, not how I approach it. I mean, I always enjoyed, like, playing. It was, it was more for the passion of playing and, you know, getting out on court, competing. I always enjoyed that, and that's what I missed, really. And, and, that, and then, you know, getting back has been, has been good and, you know, just feel grateful for when I get out on the court. And that's, that's all I'm missing now, really, is the chance to, to be out there playing the good players and having a good match and, and walking off, hopefully winning. Yeah. And is there anything, have you got like a goal in your mind um, about what you want to achieve in your career? You know, I want to just play, really, my goal is to just play as long, to be, you know, competitive as long as, long as I can, really. It's, um, you know, the goalposts sort of change when things happen, you sort of, you change a bit and you want different things, you know. I just want to, you know, be able to come out of it, you know, and people to look back and say, geez, you did a good job at turning it around and hopefully have a long career. That, that's really it, really. It is really inspirational. I hope you realise. <laughs> <laughs> You're now world number 28. <laughs> um, and Dan, I suppose like what I'm asking everybody that we speak to, it, it's like, thanks for sharing and it's great to get your insight. Is there anything that you'd say to people that are struggling at the moment or can relate to anything that you've said? I mean, yeah, if you're struggling, I think it's best to talk would be the first thing. And then for me, it's just not everything's as bad as it, it seems because when you're in a, you know, in a hole or where you feel like you're in a hole, you know, you can't see, see anything but the bad in it, you know. I remember someone said to me only a few days after when I got the news, you know, listen, it's not going to be as bad as bad as you think you know it seems terrible now but you know you'll come through it and that's and you do you know like day by day you things get better and uh it's difficult it's not easy but it does it does change and you know things seem to start getting brighter and brighter and work hard and you come through Mm. are you somebody that do you have like confidence that you speak to then is that something that's important to you being able to speak to people like your your partner and friends yeah, I mean, I speak to my girlfriend, my dad. I have like one real good friend who I speak to, and then, you know, if if I feel like I don't don't have any other other options, then you know maybe get another opinion. But you know, normally one of those four come out with something good. Yeah. It seems like your girlfriend's been like a really important part of 
of this journey for you? Yeah, yeah, she's been she's been really good, and that's one of the things which you know when it happens you get angry at yourself because you let you know your family down and girlfriend. So yeah, she's been great and stuck by me, and you know went out to work for the days when I couldn't. So she's she's been good, and she's uh you know she's been extra good in um in lockdown by cooking for me. <laughs> so I can't cook. Are <laughs> you not a good cook? No. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate you speaking to us. No problem. Thank you. And remember, if you're struggling right now, people do understand. I think that's one thing I wanted to say. And even though sometimes it can feel a little lonely, there is help out there. And don't forget, there is the NHS helpline if you do need to call somebody on 111. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to drop me a note on social media or through my website. Keep safe and we'll chat again soon.